You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Looney Lewis. Looney the Deco, I'm married now. And today I want to welcome you to the podcast. And I have a phenomenal guest that is going to blow your mind about how to make the transition from corporate America and how to own your own corporate rehab. It's an interesting twist on words, but we're going to bring her on. Um, her name is Jenny Blumenthal, and she is going to enlighten us, right? She has over 20 years of experience as an executive in corporate America and doing so counseling over Fortune 500 companies on growth strategy and transformation. And so during the pandemic, there was a shift and it's been thriving ever since for her. So with no further ado, Jenny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Tell us about not so much the transition just yet, but like corporate America, you know, how was that for you? Why was there a need to pivot? Sure. So my context is, as you mentioned in the intro, I've been counseling Fortune 500 companies for 20 years. And so I grew up on a small farm, found my way to school, business school, and figured corporate America was the place for me where I could earn my professional chops and rise through the ranks and climb that ladder, which I did successfully for a number of years. But there was always a part of me that I felt like I had to tuck away or perhaps it wasn't as welcome um, when we got into boardrooms. And that was really the the emotional part of me and the part of me that is more intuitive and energy sensing as opposed to being reliant on data and processes and all of the things that we put around our work to seek control and to feel that they're, they're very uh, focused and organized. And so there was a part of me that really gravitated towards that. But I always felt like I couldn't really bring my full self to work or it wouldn't necessarily be something that would be beneficial from a career perspective. And so I had kind of this mixed relationship with it. It really made me successful in a lot of ways. But there were other parts of my life and other things I wanted to do with my life that I didn't feel like I could fully be uh, present in. It took more time away from being a wife and a mom. And in the process, I think I lost myself trying to fulfill all these roles. And that's really what led me on this journey. Yeah. And I can imagine a lot of women go through that um, dichotomous of, okay, who do I be when I enter that boardroom, when I enter that executive room? Do I leave a piece of myself behind? As opposed to men, they don't have to have that dialogue, that internal dialogue. Right. Maybe not in the same way. Agreed. Mm -hmm. So what was for you the the transition? What was that like? Because I imagine... You, you had to overgo some transformation yourself. Yes, that's right. So for context, when I left, I was at the height of this particular career. I was leading a business unit of $300 million, 300 people on planes three times a week. Um, the only woman uh, leading my business unit on our leadership team. So there was a lot of internal pressure and external expectation that I was going to be out there helping others hit their numbers. I was going to do what I needed to do to keep the business afloat. And when I tried to make those changes and those um, those trade-offs on a daily business, I kept stepping through the door of, well, this will lead me to the next option and this will help you know others secure their numbers, that type of thing. So when the pandemic hit, it was a great chance for me to go within a little bit more. All of a sudden, all the planes were grounded. My third and fifth grader at the time was doing, we're doing third and fifth grade math at our kitchen table. 
while I was in this office trying to do, you know, 14 hours of Zooms to run a major, you know, a business corporation. And it got to a point where it was difficult to keep all of those parts of me that I was able to, to manage with a lot of help and a lot of, you know, delegation. All of a sudden, all of the support structures were gone. All of the different roles collapsed. And I was the same mom in this house trying to help a third grader with math as it was. Um, you know, running this business unit. And so it really, you know, gave me a chance to say, wait a minute, those little voices telling me this isn't quite right, or you're not able to really be yourself. Maybe they've got something to say here, and I should I should give them a listen. Um, and so that's what really, you know, beckoned me on this journey. Uh, I realized that after I left, I, I, I was in burnout and just said, I can't do it anymore. But then after I left, I really wanted to start understanding what made me stay as long as I did. How much of it was things that are coming from toxic, overbearing bosses or from corporate culture that just demands that it's never enough, that we're always going to grow at 20%, 30%. And how much of it was me and mindsets and patterns that I'd picked up along the way that made me successful in one dimension of my life, but really took away from others. And so that's really what um, what I started to do is actually go within and, and understand a little bit more about those patterns. And I had people asking me, oh my gosh, you know, what happened and what are you doing now? And that's really what led me to, you know, start cataloging all of the things I was learning about mindsets and patterns and trauma and emotional intelligence that were just not taught in schools. Um, that I think are really crucial when it comes to leadership. And so that's really where I focus now. Uh-huh. So I see the, the connection now. And so now you're using those skills learned over the last 20 years to actually help women take the next step. That's right. Both, that's right. Yeah. I, ex- I used to transform companies and now and do it through technology. Now I'd like to think that I actually transform the leaders within those companies so they can reach the next level, but without losing themselves in the process. How do you show up? How does a how does a woman show up in the in the executive office in the boardroom? Yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard sometimes to show up really truly as yourself because so much of that isn't welcomed. And and it, it doesn't it doesn't mean, in my opinion, that people that aren't welcoming are cool and exclusionary. Well, that absolutely happens. I think more often we expect in our society women to, and there's data behind this, women to, you know, live into these certain personality traits that are very acceptable as a woman. And then we expect leaders to inhibit other traits. And it so happens when you design a world that's built by men, happens to be white men, that the leadership traits that they embody are the ones that are typically associated with leaders. And so I think what happens is when you show up in that boardroom, you're not always assumed to be the leader. In fact, there were plenty of boardrooms I walked in where I was the leader and the CEO essentially of this smaller business unit. And I was mistaken for the secretary because I didn't look like the leader that they had expected to uh, walk into the room. So I think where I struggled was, how do I show up more as myself and do that in a way that's also accepted? And I think what happens so often in corporate cultures is there's this tension between showing up authentically and acceptance and belonging. And often there's many of us that feel that we have to hide certain parts of ourselves in order to get that acceptance and belonging. And if we show up as ourselves, that won't be correlated with that belonging as a leader. So I think there's always that tension. And I think, you know, women or anyone who is not in a position of, you know, more power is constantly looking at what are the parts of themselves that they need to hide, whether it's an executive or whether it's a a seven-year-old child in a family where they're they're supposed to be one type of person um, in order to be accepted. It's the same dynamics. And we just see that played out in the corporate sphere. 
And it starts at the executive level to make that culture shift, right? Internal culture culture shift. And so to do that, you have to actually go talk to all the, all the men who are in power. That's right. That's right. And I think that's where, for me, it made such a um, an impact when I started to look through the research and I was thinking... You know, I've been a consultant for 20 years. What problem am I solving? Am I solving for toxic cultures? Am I solving for individual leaders that are a bad apple that spoil the bunch? Am I solving for women that, you know, aren't showing up as themselves? And as I got more and more into the research, what I discovered is that, you know, corporate culture can really come down to a unit of one. In fact, there's this great research that was done by Donald and Charlie Saul in the beginning of the Great Resignation. And what really drove the Great Resignation, if you take away Structural things like not having daycare available and people feeling like they had to leave because of childcare issues. If people were able to leave or decided to, what was the main reason? They expected it to be things like money or status or what have you. And the number one driver was actually toxic workplaces driven by disrespect. And people no longer felt felt respected for the work that they did, which I think is really interesting because it's such an intrinsic motivator versus an extrinsic one. And that's really what led me to start to look at what do we do as leaders that to intrinsically motivate ourselves? And then what are the things that hold us back from that? Um, if we want to have self-leadership and actually think about how we show up at work, what are the things that get in the way? And that toxic culture is, is really can come down to a unit of one. What the research showed is that you can have the best Wall Street Journal headlines and the best you know culture on paper, but if you have a mid-level manager who's acting in a certain way, that can actually create these toxic microcultures, which is what happens so often. So I think that's where I like to focus is on the individual leader who has that impact and that ripple across their team. And if we do that, then I think we can we can go top down and say, this is what the culture needs to be. But we have to also go bottom up and say, these individual leaders are also responsible for bringing forward that corporate culture. And it's not up to a CEO getting the right words in a press announcement, and it's not up to one worker who doesn't have you know impact beyond themselves. It's up to that top down and bottom up to come together. I agree, top down, bottom up, because you find that a lot of the individuals they could be narcissistic. Now yes. I know that's taboo, and, and people don't want to hear that because you think of narcissism; it does they're vain and they're grandiose. But there's a different type, isn't there? Yes, there is. That is subtle and it shows up. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And when you think about, I mean, one of the things I did in the research was looked into this because there are several articles about how, you know, corporate America is full of narcissists. I would not disagree. Um, I came across several, but I think there's also this aspect of, of thinking about what can be done, what can we control, but also having some compassion for what made people the way they are. And I think that's the key. And each person has to decide for themselves what level of healing they want to pursue. But if we think about those narcissists, and there's some that are, are pretty public figures that you could, you know, would come to mind the, the top of headlines, something happened to them early on that made them the way they are, right? You just don't wake up one day and decide to abuse people or use people and as a transaction without somebody teaching you and modeling that first. And so when I think about that and the brain development that is, you know, most intense from zero to seven, 
those people were probably in some sort of situation where they learned that people are expendable or you're only as good as, you know, what you actually earn in the world and money can make you feel less vulnerable. And, you know, if you're too emotional in any setting, that's going to be frowned upon. That's not what a real man is. So just tuck that part away. And that's what kids learn, right? We tuck away parts of ourselves that don't get the reward. And we actually emphasize the pieces that will get the ice cream or whatever the, the treat is. And then, you know, unless some, something else happens in your life to rewire that programming, it's, you know, it's set from an early age. And so we pick up, you know, stories and experiences throughout, but those zero to seven years are so fundamental. So I think about that a lot, that the narcissists I encountered in the workplace must have had some sort of, you know, impact on them that made them the way they are. But then unfortunately, we're in cultures where that gets rewarded, where if they happen to be the rainmaker, even if they're the biggest jerk, but the, I had at one point of a, a company I was working for at the time say, I said, this guy is abusive and, and narcissistic and toxic. And he said, yeah, but he's the biggest sales leader and he's our rainmaker. And so what are we going to do without him? We can't survive. Well, I would posit that you actually would be better off, you know, figuring out a different role for that person than having him poison the rest of the talent that wound up leaving. So I think it's a great call out that we see that all over. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you come in with corporate rehab. So tell us yeah. about the healing process. That's right. That's right. So um, the way I got to corporate rehab, I told you a little bit of the story of my own process. I'm feeling that way. I'm feeling burned out. What do I do? And instead of shoving them the 50 books I was reading and all the podcasts, I said, okay, I've got to break this down to make it more um, understandable. So I took the real key uh, lessons from each of the things I had been reading and I organized it into a framework that actually spelled out the words rehab. So I couldn't really get away from the name. So R stands for recognize, and that's recognizing your life story and the context for the choices you've made and the values that you have. E stands for evaluate, and that's where we get into looking at the way you spend your time, your patterns, your boundaries, your energy, just so you have a better understanding of what's going on in the world around you and and what patterns you have today. H goes for healing. To your point, we look across mind, body, and spirit, which you know all come together to try to help you figure out whether you're totally detoxing from a burnout or a toxic situation, or whether you're just trying to heal your body from the stress hormones that are forcing through it in everyday life. A is for a rise where you get to reconnect with yourselves and your strength. And then B is build. We build a roadmap of a, a better version of your life and work that works better for you. Hmm. I like it. We have <laughs> build a better life. Now, how do you you know, to do the work that you do and work with the executives and, and the people that you work with, there are principles and habits you have to put in place to show up for them. So how do you get up, dress up and show up? What's your morning yeah. routine like? Yeah. So that that's an interesting one. So I might, I'll tell you my old morning routine because that might be more interesting yeah. contrast. So I woke up, so I've, I've still got these, these kids that are now 11 and 14, 12 and 14, um, that back then were in elementary school. So it was get up early, either exercise or go straight to the shower and phone and do all the things that I needed to do before I had to slip into the, the taking care of kids. But it was this constant, I got to get all the stuff done because as soon as I get to the office, my time won't be on my own and everybody's right. going to need something from me. Now I try to... Think of it a little differently. Um, and I write about this in the book I wrote on this topic called Corporate Rehab, Ditch the Hustle Culture and Thrive Again. We talk about shifting out of survival mode of that, oh gosh, I got to get up and get the you know the emails done and I'm just surviving the day. So you're shifting into thriving. And when you're thriving, you're actually standing in your purpose. You're actually choosing things that are healthy for you. 
We all are going to have stress in our lives. There's always times we're going to have to hustle at certain points, but it's about not staying there at this constant level of 100 miles an hour. And so today, when I wake up, if I have anxiety or if I feel you know nervous about things I need to get done, or if I feel great, I have the same routine. So consistency is the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, every morning, I meditate for five minutes. I try for every morning. It doesn't happen all the time, but I try um, just to kind of clear my mind and shift a little bit. I do a series of prayers and then I do uh, gratitude, which is basically just pick three things. It takes literally two minutes and you try to be as specific as possible in the gratitude. It's not Mm -hmm. just like, thank you for being here. It's, you know, thanks that I'm having a good hair day or thanks that the sun is, you know, shining. Um, And the reason we do that is that gratitude actually can hack your biology and turn the, between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic system basically turns on the the waves within your body that will calm yourself down. So if you're experiencing that anxiety, of, oh my gosh, I got to get everybody out the door. Oh my gosh, I got to get this email or I've got this big presentation. The gratitude can actually, you know, turn that parasympathetic on and actually calm you down a little bit from a nervous system perspective. So those are the three things that I do. Yeah, and decrease the cortisol level because yes. if you're that anxious so early on, you are taking that to the rest of your day and That's you're jittery right. and flight, flighty the whole time. And so yeah. the morning routine does set the tone um, for the rest of the day. Now, how long is your morning routine? Uh, 15, 20 minutes? Only 10. Yeah. I try to make it as quick as possible because if it's longer, I won't necessarily do it. Um, So I find the days that I do that, when I skip it and say, oh, I did early on, I was like, oh, if I don't have time, I'll just jump into my day. But the problem when I do that is that my day gets a little bit away from you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find myself either feeling untethered or, you know, feeling anxious versus if I take that time to reset the morning, it usually makes the day go smoother. Of course. I mean, well said. You you speak, you embody the power of the morning routine. So thank you for sharing. Um, tell us, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? Yes, the best place to go is my website, which is www.corporate-rehab.com. You can order the book there. Um, you can actually look for events that we have going. And then I do coaching also um, between rehab, rise for female entrepreneurs, and then thrive, which I've added this year because there's so many people that are saying, I did my burnout or I want to stay in my job or I want to you know, figure out what to do at this next level without losing myself. How do I thrive in the future of work? And so we have a course on that as well. So check it out. Fantastic. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on today and and sharing your insight. It's really, really amazing to learn about corporate rehab and how to rebuild from the brokenness. Thank you so much, Dr. Lewis. I appreciate you having me on. Excellent. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.